need the biblical principle behind it that unlocks the blessing in the favor of God, right? And generosity is one of those things that certainly ties in to finances. You can be generous with your time. You can be generous with your, uh, your giftings and your talents, but you can certainly be generous, and God's intentions for the church is for us to be generous with the things that he's given to us, right? And so I think it's important if you, if you want the, the blessing and the favor of God on your life, the power of God in your life, and the spirit of God flowing through your life, then it's important that you understand generosity. It's important that you understand integrity, and it's important that you understand humility. And all of these things are, are, are getting tied up and sewn together, woven together through the Purple Book. So thank you for coming tonight, because I think that this lesson and this topic is something that can unlock the blessing in favor of God in our lives. Amen? Okay. So uh, the reason that it was so short is because that's just the way things tend to work out, and I have to try to talk for a really long time, and Jace will have like 42 points in his lesson. Don't think for a second. I won't jump over into lesson three. You handed them out the paper, man. <laughs> Y'all got it in front of you. Let's just go to putting God first. <laughs> There's a story told in Luke chapter 2, or 21, verses 1 through 4, introducing the idea of extreme generosity, and let's go over here and read this. This is a familiar passage of Scripture. Um, Jesus standing beside the treasury. says he looked up and he saw the rich putting their gifts into the treasury and he saw also a certain poor widow putting in two mites and so he said truly I say to you that this poor widow has put in more than all for all of these out of their abundance have put in offerings for God but she out of her poverty put in all the livelihood that she had and when you title a lesson extreme generosity you can look at it from really two different directions you can look at at God's, um, I almost want to call it an obligation, but the privilege that God gives us even in our poverty to give and to trust him. That's a beautiful thing, right? Even in your lack and, and, and to think that you don't have anything to give, right, but you give all, literally all that you can afford to give without bankrupting yourself, without starving your family. And the truth of the matter is, is I can remember a prophet that went to a lady and said, Yes, bake a cake for your son and yourself, but first for me. And she took all that she had, and God, through her faithfulness and through her extreme generosity, sustained him for months and, and, and years. And, and so, and that's kind of the direction that the book wants to look at it from tonight. But to be honest with you, it's a little bit of a struggle for me to stand in the Western world, the Western cultural culture and talk to the church about extreme generosity from the poverty position. Because I can look around the room and to be real honest with you, we're rich. And any of you that have been to third world country, any of you stepped off of a plane in Africa, or I've been to Honduras a few times, any of you that have been to some of those places where, where poverty is a real thing and where children go hungry and their parents go hungry because they have nothing, right? When you're talking that kind of poverty, well, that's, that's what we're looking at here. And God in this, he said, and here's the thing about this kind of generosity. 
This generosity wasn't extreme because she had a lot to give. It was extreme because she had nothing to give in her own eyes. But God sees, um, God evaluates our giving on a different scale than what we do. It's this biblical, um, spiritual principle that God evaluates completely different than the way you and I do. We think about giving, and, and, and I'm excited. I'm excited to get my end-of-the-year giving so that, I, so that I have the opportunity to go, man, thank God. Thank God for what I was able to give this year. But this woman, I can assure you, I almost think that she was probably ashamed. But out of faithfulness and out of trust and out of obedience to what she knew about who God was, she walked with all that she had put in two mites, possibly not knowing what she was going to eat tomorrow, how she was going to afford to buy the things and the clothes and the things that she needed. I, I don't know. I think in that situation, it's unbelievable obedience, and that is certainly extreme generosity. And the thing is, is, is she understood. She understood who God was to her. She properly evaluated the house of the Lord. She properly evaluated the God of the house. And she said, it doesn't matter to me. All that I have is yours. And when we can start functioning in that realm, that's a good place to be. But I, I say this, I, I think that we can function in uh, above that, right? And Paul, 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Let's flip over there real quick. And then I just want to, I kind of want to give you some bullet points. We'll do a lot of scripture reading, floating around. Paul's talking about the church in Macedonia and their faithfulness to give, their generosity. It says, moreover, brethren, we make known to you the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia, that in great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded in the riches of their liberty. For I bear witness that according to their abilities, yes, and beyond their abilities, they were freely willing imploring us, begging us with much urgency that we would receive the gift and the fellowship of the ministry of the saints. And not only as we had hoped, but they first gave themselves to the Lord and then to us by the will of God. Here's something that you have to understand about giving, okay? If, if you don't hear anything else tonight, hear this. You can give without loving. You absolutely can. You can give without loving. But you cannot love without giving. You can't. You can't say that you love the Lord. You can't say that you love the house of the Lord. You can't say that you, can't say that you love your wife without giving. You can't tell me that you love your children, that you're a good father without giving. When you talk about extreme, yeah, Bo, that's right. If he tells you he loves you, man, he got to give you some stuff. Come on, man, Christmas is coming up, buddy. <laughs> Bo's excited. I'm excited for you, man. <laughs> I'm excited for you because that's a good principle, right? You, you can't say that you love without giving. And we look at the scripture, John 3, 16, right? Here, and here's the reason that I know that. This is the reason that I can say that with absolute confidence is because I know that God was a giver, right? If God is love, like the scripture says that he is, we certainly know that he gave. For God so loved the world that he what? That he gave. He gave his only son. Talk about extreme generosity. 
Think about what happened in heaven that day. Bankrupt that place. Clothe the crown jewel of all eternity in human flesh. Submit him to suffering and shame. Take on our sin and give his life for the purpose of redemption. That is extreme generosity right there. So don't tell me that you love but not give. I think that, um, I think it's in 1 John. Uh, yeah, 1 John chapter 2. In verse 15 it says, don't love the world, don't love the things of the world. And then it talks about the lust of the eyes and the lust of the flesh and the pride of life. And I said earlier that I think integrity, humility, and generosity, I think that those are the three things that you can learn and you can implement into your life that will set you free from the trap of, of those three things that the enemy tries to put in our way. And that's all-encompassing, to be real honest with you, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, that's encompassing of everything that the, that the enemy will try to destroy you with. But if you can function in integrity and and you can have humility, and you can be generous, then you can fight through those things. And I, and I just want to drop some nuggets into your spirit. Here are some things that happen when we practice generosity in our lives that unlock the power of God in us, the blessing of God on us, and the spirit of God flowing through us. I think that you have to know this, that generosity... That when we're generous, when we practice extreme generosity, that it brings honor to God. Second Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 6, it says, But this I say, that he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one of us give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. I wanted to, look, I wanted to play this video so bad for you. It's YouTube. you got to go look it up when you get home if you haven't watched it. You can just, like, just type in on YouTube, Offering Dancer. And it's this black guy that is going crazy at offering time. And it makes me think of this scripture. God loves a cheerful giver. I kid you not, man. This guy is breaking it down for, like, a minute and 20 seconds. He, he's jumping around. It's just it's insane. Go home tonight. Look it up. If you do anything, go and look that up. Don't look it up right now. Because I can hear it, and I know the song that's playing in the background, I know. But look at Offering Dancer. Go look it up, and then think about this scripture, and then you better come to church Sunday with the offering. And I, if we, I kid you not, we would have revival in here. Listen, listen, this is not a joke. This is not a joke. We would have revival in our church if we gave in a way that honored God with our finances and everything, in, in every opportunity that we have. If you understood that the biblical principle of the offering and the tithe was as powerful at unlocking the blessing of God in your life as your praise or as, or as, as the preaching or as the altar time, that you would run up here and rejoice at the opportunity to throw your money in the plate. It honors God when we give him what, he's deserved, what he give us. So, I'll get this. not ours anyway. God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all, all grace abound to you. 
that you always having sufficiency in all things and may have an abundance for every good work. Here's something that I have learned, and I'm, I'm just going to hit the high spots here. Here's something that I learned. That God in his, in his mercy and God in his grace is able to supply everything that I need according to his riches and glory in, in response to my faithfulness. Right, anytime that I, that I put a demand on him by stepping out in faith in any area of, area of my life, but especially in my finances, me, me in faith putting a, a demand on God, God has always stepped into the place of promise. There, there are literally thousands of promises in the word of God that belong to us as believers, but there is a premise for every one of those promises. And so many promises in the scripture that have to do with him blessing us and making grace abound to us and supplying all of our needs has to do with our obedience and getting it from our hand to him. And in, in whatever that looks like, whether it's being benevolent to somebody that you don't or the world don't think that they deserve it, whether it's buying a bill of groceries for somebody, Anytime that we're able to practice extreme generosity, it brings honor to God. Now he, now may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread to the eater. Here we are. We, have heard, we hear this almost every Sunday. It's scripture. He supplies seed to the sower and bread for food. Supply and multiply the seed you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. Do you understand if there is... If there is any desire in us to be more righteous, to grow and to mature, a part of that is growing and maturing in our finances. While you are enriched in everything for all liberty, which is causing thanksgiving through us to God, for the administration of this service not only supplies the needs of the saints, but also is abounding through many thanksgivings to God. Verse 13. While through the proof of this ministry, they glorify God. Because of this ministry, because of your giving, because of your obedience, glory is placed on the God that we serve. They glorify God for the obedience of your confession to the gospel of Christ and for your liberal sharing with them and all men. Proverbs. You need to dig through Proverbs. It is rich. Proverbs chapter 14 and verse 31 says, He who oppresses the poor reproaches his maker. Capital M. Maker. He who sees, here let me King Shane version this for you. He who sees his brother in need and does nothing despises the maker. It's a spit in the face of God to see his creation in need and in desperation and have the ability to do something about it because of the grace that God has given to your life and you not do it. That's awful. Oh. He who oppresses the poor reproaches his maker, but he who honors him has mercy on the needy. You want to honor God? Have mercy on the needy. 
give. Be generous because it honors God. Yeah. Yes, we can. Why were we born here? Why, 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 was, why was I not born in Ghana? Or why am I not Bo's age in Uganda in an orphanage? So that I think that there is a providential um, hand of God and, and his sovereignty and in his omnipotence and omnipotent, uh, omniscience that that you that you are where you are we are where we are because of his grace and and at the same that's a great question i kind of i think i probably know where you're going with this i think that in in generosity extreme generosity any kind of generosity within the body of christ i think that you have to trust in the power of the holy spirit to lead you and guide you and we certainly it's kind of like casting your pearls before swine like i understand that here's what you don't want to do you don't want to enable somebody to destroy themselves Right? But at the same time, that's not what we're talking about. And I think, man, the prompting of the Holy Spirit really works in our lives in this area. I really, really do. Because I don't think that there's probably anybody in this room that has seen somebody legitimately suffering. Can I say this? I don't roll my window down every time that I drive under I-40 in Conway. Okay? But I've bought a lot of meals for people sitting in restaurants that were downcast that you could see it on their face. The last time that I was in, in uh, Kansas turkey hunting by myself, I was sitting in a steakhouse because I love steak. And there was a man that had come in, and he was wearing, I don't know, he looked like he worked at North Arkansas Tire. I mean, this guy was just dirty, right? It looked like he worked for a living, you know? And his wife, and they come in with three kids, and and. I heard them talking to the waitress, and, and they were talking about, were we able to get this discount? And we had, they had a coupon, you know. And so I caught their waitress as she walked by because I, did, I could. And I said, whatever their bill is, I'm going to take care of that. And you don't tell them to anybody. I don't want to know. I don't want them to know. I just want to bless them, right? And that was the prompting of the Holy Spirit. And that happens in our lives. If you just listen, you can listen where your finances are concerned. And I can assure you that it will pay off dividends. Even if listening costs you something, the return will be greater than what you deposit. I guarantee it. That's the kind of investment and opportunities that God gives us in the kingdom, right? Is to invest somewhere where the return is, is, is far greater. We honor God with our finances with our generosity. Being generous will draw us closer to God. Guaranteed. <laughs> if, if you don't believe me, um, what does Jesus say in Matthew chapter 6, verse 21? What? That's a weird question to ask. I was just scratching my elbow. I don't think so. If I... <laughs> I don't think so. You, sister, you don't mess me all up now. I won't scratch anymore. It's not chiggers, it's fleas, okay? <laughs> listen, listen, practicing, thank you. Practicing extreme generosity in your life will draw you closer to the Lord. 
possibly, sometimes. I'm going to tell you right now, sometimes God will cause us and call us to walk off into some really, really ugly places and some dirty places to be generous. And I'd rather, and listen, I'm telling you right now, and some of these people over here know exactly what I'm talking about because there's some of y'all that's hugged some nasty folks. There's some of you that's held some, some, some stinky, wet children, and that was giving of your time. It was giving of your efforts. It was generosity at an extreme level, and God will, will reward you for that. You don't even understand that that investment of time and that investment of, of effort and, and strength and your finances that either you or your mother or your father uh, give you to be able to go, you made a deposit into the kingdom. You were able to sow seed that did two things, right? You can't go on a missions trip without it, without it drawing you closer to the Lord. Who went on a missions trip? Anybody get closer to the Lord? Keep your hand up if you did, lower it if you didn't. Okay. It's impossible. It's impossible not to. And here's what Jesus said. He says, where your treasure is, is where your heart will be. You want to draw closer to the Lord? You want to feel like every time you come into the house of the Lord that the, that the pastor is speaking directly to you? You may not even understand this. Everything that I'm saying right now may be so foreign to you, you can't wrap your mind around it. And here's what I had to do. I had to learn somewhere to trust the Lord with my finances and just believe that he would unlock something in me. I believe that if you can trust him with your finances, that he can deepen you spiritually, even in your mind, in your knowledge of him. You, you want to receive, you want to receive from pastor, you want to re, be able to feel the anointing when worship is going on, it doesn't have anything to do with me, it's where you invest. If you come into the house of the Lord with the intentions of giving all that you are in every area of your life, your mind, your spirit, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind. We worship him with that kind of, of passion, we give with that kind of passion, we receive the, the bread of the word with that kind of passion. We, we invest our heart and our treasure in a place, and I can assure you that the generosity that, that, that we display in that area of our life will draw us closer to the Lord. I want to be close to him. I don't have a problem at all. I think, um, I'll tell you this. This is a story, and some of you have heard this story before. Uh, Caleb, I think it's probably important for you to hear this story. So I'll come over here. Brother Young, my great-grandpa, was preaching on a Sunday morning. And uh, right in the middle of the sermon, and somebody ran through the back doors of the church. This little shotgun church you've probably never seen. You didn't, you'd never seen that church. Mom was pregnant with you whenever we, were, whenever we were building the new church. Tore that sucker down before you was born. Somebody burst through the back doors of the church and said, whose house is right across the street? And it was a parsonage, and it was fully engulfed in flames. And, and that will dismiss church in a second, right? When the pastor's house is burning down, that's when you dismiss church, right? So, and, and Brother Young and Sister Young, uh, um, they were already seasoned. They were aged. And they walked to the back door, and, they, and, and she grabbed a hold of the handle of the commercial, the glass doors, and she just watched it burn. And Ronnie went to run out the building, and she yelled at him, and she said, stop, there's nothing there. And he said, how in the world can you say there's nothing there? That's your house. 
And she said, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where thieves can't break in and steal it, where moths can't eat away and rust can't decay it. She quoted the scripture. She said, but store up for yourselves treasure in heaven for where your treasure is, there's where your heart will be. Her treasure wasn't in a house that was burning down. She had deposited all that she had into the kingdom of God. That's a closeness that we need to strive for. We're in a culture that is so, yes, thank you. We're in a culture that is so materialistic, right? It's get all you can, can all you get, right? That's the culture that we live in. Yeah, exactly. There's a terrible tool of the enemy, Harbor Freight. Devil, yeah, <laughs> tractor supply. Oh, TSC, get thee behind me. <laughs> we live, we live, we live in a generation, all jokes aside. There's basically two different kinds of people in the world. Here's what I figured out when you're talking about generosity, when you're talking about finances, really when you're talking about everything, when you're talking about marriages, when you're talking about uh, jobs. Uh, there's really just kind of two different types of people in the world, those who say, what can I get? And then those who say, what can I give? And here's what I've learned, is that those who live life trying to figure out what they can get end up poor, poor in spirit, bankrupt in joy. It's in my notes, man. I get there. Let's just read it. No, it's okay, man. It's there. It has to be there. <laughs> there is one who scatters yet increases, and there's one who withholds more than he should, but it leads to poverty. So what he's saying right there is that person who is a what-can-I-give person will sow and sow and sow and sow in faith, sow in hope, so believing in the promises of God, and God will bring increase. He'll give you more than you can ever imagine. And then there's those who say, what can I get? And they, they, they kill themselves trying to get all that they can, and they're so impoverished where so many things in, in life are concerned. He who dies with the most stuff still dies. And you're absolutely right. You will never see a hearse pulling a U-Haul. Never. I'm all about leaving an inheritance for my children. And Caleb and Gracie said, amen. But at the same time, at the same time, I have discovered this, that if God can get it through me, he'll get it to me. Everything that I have ever had, everything that I have ever had wasn't mine to begin with. It was his. Do you understand do you understand that right now, if God is not a generous God, we all die? The breath you breathe, the heartbeat, because he's generous. Generosity is the cure for materialism. It's the only antidote for materialism is generosity.
Every time you, every time you give, you break the grip of materialism. Jesus said just a little bit later in Matthew chapter 6, in verse 24, it says you can't, he said you cannot serve God and money. You can't. Not, not you shouldn't. You can't. You can't be a slave to money and honor God. I have a lot of notes. I'm not even going to get close to getting to them. So um, <laughs> where do we want to go here? Yeah, he is good. He's good in every area of our lives. Let's just travel on right here. Here's what generosity does. It's the cure for materialism. It demonstrates my faith. It's the only thing in Scripture where your finances are concerned. It's the only place in Scripture where God gives you the, the challenge. He gives you the okay to test him, right? We know Malachi. In Malachi, he says, try me in this. Try me in this. In the tithe, I know you're going to be there next week. I ain't even going to fool with it. I am going to tell you, you know what I am too. Yes, I am. I'm, no, not with the tithe, but I'm going to talk about this. Nope, nope, here's what I'm going to do. Because if you're, trying to, if you're trying to wrestle through the idea of whether or not you can afford to be generous within the body of Christ, I want to settle something in your mind right now. Personal testimony. This is just me. This is, this is no notes. This is just where I'm at. This is how I arrived where I am at today with full of faith in God's ability to provide all of my needs according to his riches and glory and my ability to be faithful, to give the way that I give. First of all, I have seen a lot of really, really generous. There are people sitting in this room right now that I have seen practice extreme generosity with their finances that influenced me because I've seen the blessing and the favor of God on their lives. But then what happened in 2007 is that God really, really wrecked my life. He wrecked it. And I was not being faithful with the tithe. I was being faithful to go to church, but I was not being faithful with my tithe. I sit down with a man try to work out a budget. <laughs> this is a tough place to be. When you sit down with a guy and you show him all of your income and then you show him everything that goes out and he says, these numbers will not work. This is simple mathematics. When you arrive at that place and he says, these numbers won't work. But he was a man of God and he said, I know this sounds foolish. He said, but I'm going to challenge you to do something. He said, I want you to tithe. I got nothing to lose. Huh? <laughs> got steadily going in the hole. Let's just see what they come and take first, right? <laughs> Supernaturally. Supernaturally, almost instantaneously with my faithfulness to give of my tithe, God restructured my finances and brought favor into my life. And I have been able to increase and to increase and to increase because of God's generosity to me because of my faithfulness to him. And so you cannot convince me that there's not power in the tithe. But then you also cannot convince me that there is not joy in being generous. Jesus said it's better to give than to receive. It's something that you have to grow into because I've been a kid on Christmas too. I've been there. How many of you just love to give on Christmas? The parents, yeah, the parents do, right? Only if the kids are appreciative. 
But something that I have seen in my own children, I did not know they were going to be in here tonight, so I was going to tell a couple more stories that were really better. No, I won't. Something that I've seen happen in the last couple years that's brought a lot of joy to my heart is that I have watched my kids grow and mature in the area of it's better to give than to receive. They work through the stuff that we give them, and, and, uh, and that's nice, and they're appreciative. But one of the greatest joys that they have is watching me and Candace open their gifts to us. And then they love watching each other open their gifts to each other. There is a joy. There is a joy that is unlocked in your life connected to generosity that you cannot find anywhere else. Being generous will expand your influence. Being generous will bring God's protection to your life. Psalms, let's look at this, Psalms 112. I want to show you this because I believe that there is protection for the people of God. And I believe that some of it is connected directly. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who delights greatly in his commandments, Psalms 112. His descendants will be mighty on the earth. The generations of the upright will be blessed. Wealth and riches will be in his house, and his righteousness will endure forever. Un unto the upright there arise, arises light in the darkness. He is gracious and full of compassion. He's generous and righteous. A good man deals graciously and lends. He will guide his affairs with discretion Surely he will never be shaken. He will not be afraid of evil tidings. His heart is steadfast, trusting in the Lord. Did you hear me? Surely, surely he will never be shaken. The righteous will be everlasting in everlasting remembrance. He will not be afraid of evil tidings. His heart is steadfast and trusting in the Lord. I believe that generosity brings God's protection. And then the last I think that we need to understand that generosity is rewarded in heaven. A lot of times you get to see the fruit of your generosity here. But so many more times you need to understand that being faithful with your finances, being generous with your finances, that God is weighing all of those things out in eternity. Do you understand why the first Sunday of the month is missions month? Do you understand? Mm -hmm. Do you understand why JoJo invited people to come for a missions meeting last Sunday? I, th I think four. It's not chiggers. I think, listen, listen, I think like four people, maybe five people came to that little meeting. In, in a heavenly economy where our generosity and our time and our effort is weighed out in souls, what are we willing to invest in? Does you understand any investment that you make here on this side of eternity, the, the yield, even if it's fantastic, it will never be anything like the, the investment that we deposit into the kingdom. <laughs> I, 
in the theater of my mind, right? Like I, let, I like to let my mind wander. I think it's going to be really, really cool when I get to heaven and somebody that I have never, ever, ever met before walks up to me and says, thank you so much. I'm here today because you were generous. I'm be like, I don't even know what you're talking about. You gave. You gave. Deposit. Be generous in the kingdom because God gives the return and the reward in heaven. You can't take it with you, but you can send it ahead by investing it in people going to heaven. The money is not the root of all evil. The love of money is. If you love money, you'll use people. If you love people, you'll use money to expand the kingdom. I think it's important for us to be faithful with the grace and the mercy that God has given us by evangelizing the world. But I think it is also a great responsibility for the church to be generous to a world. Probably even more so. In such, the, in such a wealthy country. I challenge you. <laughs> I challenge you. Evaluate the goodness of God that's been poured out on your life. Really, really stop and think about it. See everything for what it is, and then ask really, really hard questions like, where can I give sacrificially that will unlock a deeper blessing, a deeper power, and the spirit through my life in a way that I have not experienced it before? And I don't think this is foolishness. Now, see, I did a little, a little word study, too, before all of this started. The, uh, I think I wrote it in here. These are some important words when you're talking about the kingdom, right? Do you know the word faith in the King James Bible is used 231 times? The word pray, that's a, that's a big one, right? That's a big one, 306 times. The word love, look out. 281 times. The word believe, 131 times. The word give, 811 times. God's intentions for the church is for us to be givers because that's what he is. I want to be like Christ. I want to be like Christ in every area of my life. And one of the ways that I can do it is being generous. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we love you. God, and we don't take lightly all that you've given us. God, we are so thankful today, God, that we're saved. 
through the precious blood of Jesus shed at Calvary. We are thankful today for the resurrection. We are thankful today that we have an advocate with the Father that you are ever interceding for us. God, we thank you for the power of your spirit, God. We are so thankful for a church family, God, a building where we can come together in unity and worship you in spirit and in truth. And God, we are so thankful for your faithfulness, God, to provide for us. Help us to see, Father, your generosity poured out on our lives in a way that transforms the way that we are generous to others. God, I am where I am today because of the generosity of someone else. God, I stand on the shoulders of a lot of men, God, who, who gave into my life, a lot of women that gave into my life. God, I stand on their shoulders today. Father, help me to be a foundation. God, help me God, help me to be something, someone, a vessel, Father, that you can use. Father, and I'll be faithful with the things that you've given me. God, and I'll be generous with the finances that you flow through me. God, help us to be known as a generous church. Father, generous in benevolence. God, generous in Missions, God, generous to the Gideons, God, generous to the homeless and the hopeless and the orphans and the widows. God, let us be a church that is known for our generosity because it will bring honor and glory to you, an honor and a glory that is missing in the church today. Father, we'll be sure to give you all the praise and all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen.